0: Listen to them, children of the night, what music they make.
1: There are things that go bump in the night, and we are the ones who bump back. I see dead people. Somewhere in the cosmos... Perhaps, intelligent life may be watching these lights of ours, aware of what they mean. Or do our lights wander a lifeless cosmos? I couldn't help at one point in my discussions with General Secretary Gorbachev, I couldn't help but say to him, just think how easy his task and mine might be in these meetings that we held. If suddenly there was
0: a threat to this world from another planet, outside in the
1: universe, well, I don't suppose we can wait for some alien race to come down and threaten us, but I think that between us, we can bring about that realization. Hello and welcome, Crypt Keepers. Welcome to another episode of Cryptique. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This will help others to find cryptique when searching for subject matter while looking for a new podcast and would really help us out. It would take about three minutes for you to do so, and you can even do it now while we're introducing the show. So thanks in advance. I want to send a shout out to Justin Cotton of Kansas City, who says he listens to Exploring Evil and cryptique. So thanks so much for being a loyal listener. And don't forget to check out MovieHow. You can find it everywhere you find cryptique and exploring evil. And you can find out about movies worth going to the theater for, movies worth renting, and flops to avoid totally. So what are we discussing tonight, Ryan?
2: Black Mirror's Island of the Dolls and The Golden Disc, maybe?
1: So the Black Mirror TV show is not what we're going to be discussing tonight, but it may be where the name came from. So... There is an Elizabethan magician, astrologer, mathematician...
2: Occultist.
1: Alchemist, advisor to Queen Elizabeth I, named John Dee. And he had a black spirit mirror, along with a lot of other magical items he had. But the black spirit mirror is interesting to me. So what do we know about that?
2: We don't know a ton about it, or at least I don't. What what we do know, or what I know, is that the mirror is made of obsidian, which is a volcanic glass, and it is shined and polished to the point that it's reflective. And when you look in it, it has sort of a the appearance of gazing into a dark, inky pool, and they're used in rituals by occultists as a scrying tool or a way to reach and communicate with spirits or whatever else might be out there trying to communicate. And they were used by other uh, cultures like the Aztecs. And I'm sure lots of others that I'm not aware of for various ritualistic purposes.
1: So I guess we need to talk about where his mirror allegedly came from Because you can find obsidian throughout the world. And while it is a beautiful, uh, I don't know if we would call it a gemstone, uh, it's basically, you know, like you said, a volcanic glass. It is very beautiful. It's black, deep black, usually, and very reflective. And it seems like something, from what I've seen, most. Of the native cultures have made tools out of it, like knives, cutting tools, and even jewelry. But it looks like they usually chipped it somehow. Is that what you've seen?
2: Yeah, yeah. That it was a uh, brittle material, kind of mm-hmm. difficult to work with, but it could be chipped away to make, like you're saying, like a cutting edge or a uh, an arrowhead, maybe. And it, it holds an edge very well. When it's chipped, it seems to be very sharp. But as far as forming it into something like a mirror, that's a little bit less typical, I think. I think they were probably more rare than other uses of that kind of tool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it would take a long time to, I guess, sand it and polish it down to where it's shiny. And the mirror that John D used was uh, very large for a typical obsidian mirror. Um, It was about 7.2 inches in diameter, a half inch thick, and weighed about 31 ounces. And I've actually looked on eBay and Amazon. For some that I know are not... they're, They're not supposed to be magical or have any kind of occult backstory to them, and they're probably all machine polished and everything. The the mirror that he had was quite large, and adding to the mystique of the mirror is where it came from. And it was brought from Mexico to Europe. Uh, it's believed between 1527 and 1530 after Her- Hernando Cortez's conquest of the region. And the mirror was allegedly taken from uh, an obsidian quarry that the Aztecs used, and that it was actually an Aztec mirror. It wasn't just something that was made of volcanic glass by a European, but his was believed to have actually been used by Aztec medicine men or sorcerers or whatever you want to call them, which kind of adds to the mystique and it adds to the uh, occult prizing of such a an object that it's not just a, another mirror. It's something that's had a lot of history and I'm sure in John Dee's mind had seen a lot of things that may be reflected back, you know, like Aztec spirits, Aztec gods, that sort of thing, which I'm sure really turned him on to the mirror itself. So, what kind of things did John Dee use his mirror for? We know that he worked with a convicted criminal, Edward Kelly, to summon visions of angels into the mirror's reflective surface. Mm-hmm. So we don't know a whole lot about Edward Kelly, but um, he claimed to be a medium and obviously had been convicted of some crimes, but we're not sure what crimes he was convicted of. But he worked closely with John Dee and they allegedly held seances in England and in Europe in general between 1583 and 1589. The mirrors were used by Aztec priests to conjure visions and make prophecies. So that would be something that would be appealing to just about anybody if you could, you know, see the future in such an item or anything like that. So the mirrors were connected to Tezcatlipoca, the god of obsidian and sorcery, whose name can be translated as Smoking mirror." So he was one of the Aztec gods. Queen Elizabeth called John Dee, her quote, my philosopher, mm-hmm. actually used the mirror in attempts to talk to ghosts.
2: Mm-hmm. And this is the part of the story that I'm the most interested in, partially from the perspective of the the thing that was interesting to me is like what specifically they were using it for, because that's not something I've really seen anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen that Queen Elizabeth I claimed that she saw, you know, incredible and unexplainable things in the mirror, but not specifically what they used it for, apart from you know getting advice and telling the future and normal sort of, you know, if you want to call it normal, normal, you know, kind of fortune telling type activities. Sure, I'm sure there were other things that they did, but and then the other aspect of this that's interesting to me is. And I can't think of any names off the top of my head, but it seems like a, it's sort of a pattern in a lot of people like John D, who have a very scientific background that they eventually move into this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I've read a lot of stories about in the past, you know, that's why I don't remember the names at the moment, but a lot of stories about people who did a lot of really interesting research in You know, near-death experiences, or the afterlife, or things to prolong your life. You know, things to try to mimic. You know, what people say about uh, Count Saint Germain Mm -hmm. and some of these characters who seem to be immortal or seem to be able to change their age. You know, through whatever means they're doing that. And it's just an interesting progression that it. You know, in this sort of climate that they were in back at the in this time period, that that's the way things progressed. You went through the hard sciences. And then you moved into, you know, uh, alchemy and magic, basically.
1: Yeah. And now we're taught to stop at the hard sciences. We're told that magic isn't real. And we've talked about this before. I mean, we're uh, being told by science all the time that spirituality isn't real, and that if we can't prove it in a laboratory, it doesn't exist. And that's a shame. And and a lot of people, I feel like they just totally buy it. They don't do any further research, and they almost use science as the replacement for religion. Whereas people in the past that were, you know, like John D that were very uh, engaged in the hard sciences saw that there was room for other things too. And once you shut something out, you kind of close off a possibility in my mind. And it's just a shame to see people stop with mathematics and astronomy and all these things that. You know, we see in in space that we can't explain and we just assume that one day science will explain it and there's no way that it could be spiritual or out of the realm of science,
2: so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff that will eventually be explained that are kind of either either somewhat paranormal now or even just these weird, uh, difficult to quantify experiences that people have. Mm hmm like the feeling you get when you know somebody's looking at you, you can feel it. Like you feel watched.
1: Yeah. Great example.
2: Yeah. And I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if science and medicine and everything evolved to the point where they do understand why that happens. You know, whatever that connection might be, because it wasn't all that long ago that in the, in the scale of like societies and civilization, that we didn't understand that germs spread disease.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, I mean, there's just, we're always learning new things. And, uh, there's a book called after by Dr. Bruce Grayson, where he is going through all of these, um, basically these collected near death experiences Uh from people who either flatlined or come close to it, or they've, tried to kill themselves or, you know, whatever it is that's happened to them. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of going through and talking to them about what they saw. You know, there are cases of um, one patient who saw his nurse, you know, he was out like he was, I think he was in a coma is what was happening medically. And he was in this other place, but he was still in a hospital bed where he was. And the same nurse who always came in to fluff his pillows and check on him still came in and did that sort of thing. And she said, uh, you know, you, you need to go back. But tell my parents, you know, that I'm sorry that I wrecked the car. And when he woke up, he found that the the nurse who had been taking care of him got a car for her birthday and crashed it and died. Wow. And he had no way of knowing that. But, you know, there there are these... There are these experiences that people have that we try to explain as, you know, it's something that your brain's doing. It's some instinctual thing. It's just, you know, part of your subconscious telling you that you need to like cling to life or, or whatever it is, but it doesn't explain, you know, thousands of reported cases where people have knowledge that they shouldn't have. Right. There are a lot of doctors who write about this and a lot of people work in hospitals who mm-hmm. know about people having these strange experiences. And it's just. I think it's one of these things where, you know, especially in this time, they were discovering new things a lot, you know, it was a fairly frequent thing to just make these kind of regular breakthroughs because science was still sort of in its infancy, at least in the Western world. Right. So it wasn't that outlandish to think, well, we can figure this stuff out too. Mm -hmm. And there is kind of this resistance now to believing in anything that you don't totally understand. Because one of the people that uh, Dr. Grayson was talking to, it was a, I believe it was a surgeon and the patient that he was working on had seen some aspect of like the procedure that he shouldn't have known about. It was part of his experience. He kind of floated up away from his body and saw the doctor doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. And he said that the doctor didn't seem all that bothered by it. And when he asked him why, he said, well, I'm I'm Buddhist, so we don't really have to understand everything, Mm -hmm. which is I, I like that perspective. It's something I've been thinking about for a while, you know, like I don't, I don't have to understand everything. <laughs> right. And I think there's a lot of stuff that maybe we're not supposed to understand, but sure, it does seem interesting to me that a lot of these people from this time period moved from the sciences into this more mystical stuff. And I think it's just a progression of, yeah, we can explain that stuff. Now let's move on to this.
1: And I think that you and I can probably see some parallels With that in our own lives. I mean, of course, I believe in mathematics and electronics and things that I can see right in front of me. I I may not be able to explain to you exactly how a cell phone works, but I can look at it and I can say, this is what happens when I do this, and this is the explanation for it, and I can see that it happens. But also, there's a lot of stuff that I don't understand that I can also kind of put in that category as far as well when we're in a place that allegedly has spirits and I put a recorder down and ask for a response sometimes I get a response I have no idea how but I know that that's worked for me Mm -hmm. and we are kind of trying to uh, find answers for some of these things through this podcast but we're also going to have to just admit to ourselves that there's just not answers for everything. And there may be some answers that we can't understand and that we're not meant to understand, which is I think kind of what you were getting at with the uh, Buddhist doctor.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That That's how I used to think about, you know, life and death and stuff like that. I would kind of start to dwell on it a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. just, just, they're just moments. And I think a lot of people probably had those with the pandemic and everything that's been going on, you know, like kind of the nature of the way the world is. But, you know, I I think people have moments where they think about like, what, what is the meaning of all this? Like, what are we really doing? What happens to us? Why are we here? Mm -hmm. And whenever I thought about it before, I just kind of, you know, I thought about it. I remember thinking about it as a teenager, pretty hard, like really trying to imagine different scenarios you know like what if it's like this what if it's like that and then i just kind of thought if it's this hard and there's billions of us and we can't all agree on it maybe we're just not supposed to know right maybe that's like the point of being here that we are isolated from knowledge that would make all this a lot more comfortable for us Mm -hmm. and then not knowing is part of the challenge
1: and that's where faith comes in Mm -hmm. you know we believe in what we believe in whether it's Catholicism or Buddhism or any of the world religions, we we have to have faith. And sometimes faith is stronger than science. And it's just something that, you know, that's why in Catholicism, it's called the mysteries. We We don't know. This is what we think. This is what we have faith in but we're probably not going to understand until we pass on. But obviously now we have things that help put us into a trance, like metronome, for example. How does that work? There's theories, but it it helps us focus on something. It helps put us into a trance-like state. And I just wonder if some of these items maybe they have some sort of the same effect. If I believe when I get my mirror in the mail, my magic mirror, (laughs) if I look into it and I can see spirits, maybe that'll happen. But if I totally think it's BS, it's probably not going to happen. And that kind of goes back to faith as well. You know, Mm. some things work for some people and some things don't. Hypnosis is one of those things that some people apparently can be totally put into a trance and told to do things they wouldn't normally do, like cluck like a chicken or something like that. And then some people, there's just no chance to put them under hypnosis at all. They just, it doesn't work on them. And it could very well be the same thing with some of these scrying mirrors and crystal balls and stuff like that. And I think that science has gone to great lengths to discredit all this. It's just a shame because at one point science was supernatural Mm. and science was people were trying to discredit it and just discrediting something for the sake of it, not fitting into your box of beliefs seems to be, just a shame and a real waste of the search for knowledge.
2: That's a very good way to put it. I like that. That science was supernatural at some point. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of intolerance out there for other people's views or opinions. And just because you believe something doesn't mean it's true, but it's also not a reason to not listen to the other side. If you disagree on something and that that goes for anything, you know, politics, vaccines, uh, loyalty to brands like whatever, (laughs) you know, like there are people who have heated discussions about whether you wear, I don't know, Rolex or Omega or Nike or Adidas or you drive a Ford or a Chevy. Like there are so many weird things that we get hung up on, at least on the Internet, it seems like. And it's like if we could have. And everybody knows that that's a problem. Mm-hmm. If you could have the same approach. Like, you know, when you, if you go in and say have an open mind when you're talking about some of these more occult type topics, then I don't know, maybe we would have made some more progress. And guess who does put faith
1: into some of these more supernatural pursuits? The military. Hmm. The military is always looking for something new. In something some sort of advantage and that's kind of been uh, proven out with remote viewing yeah most people think that remote viewing is a ridiculous thing to even waste your time talking about but the military spent tons of time and money and effort into trying to develop this in people and in my mind if the military is going to put time and effort into something because they think they can gain an advantage, then maybe it's worth looking into.
2: Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what to think of it for sure until I watched, I mean, I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts about it and I've read articles and then I watched third eye spies, mm-hmm. which is a documentary all about this. And there's a lot about it. That's pretty convincing. I mean, there's a lot of stuff where, yeah, these people shouldn't have known what they knew. They shouldn't have been able to tell that anything was going on. There are cases where they claim to have helped find, you know, people in hostage situations. And there are just all sorts of applications of it where it seems to have helped. Mm -hmm. I mean, and even the police use psychics and things like that for, you know, for missing person cases. And I think, you know, I've, I think probably a lot of, if not most, mediums are just BS. Right. But I can't imagine that they're all that way, mm-hmm. or else nobody would have any faith in them. Right. If they are wrong all the time, we wouldn't bother with them.
1: And I think, you know, talking about psychics, um, because they can't say, this person's body is behind the Chuck E. Cheese in a green dumpster with a McDonald's wrapper on top, then it's not real. If they say I see a green box behind a building, well, then that's just a lucky guess. And, you know, I I think that in my opinion, anyway, the way that a psychic would work is kind of like all of us when we see a picture of something. Uh, We all see something different. You know, I might look at a picture and the mountain in the background might catch my attention. And the person in the foreground might catch your attention. And I can describe the mountain, but not Mm. the person. And you can describe the person and not the mountain. And we're both right. It's just a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That's my opinion on psychics anyway, but I do agree that most of them are probably BS and it's uh, a horrible, horrible thing to do to interject yourself into uh, an investigation or a search if you're not being forthcoming, if you're Mm -hmm. trying to make things up and just trying to get attention for yourself or your business or whatever. That's a horrible thing to do. And, you know, those kind of people are the ones that make everyone else look crazy. They're the ones that people point to and say, this is what a psychic is. Whereas, you know, maybe the, there's a lot of psychics that I've read about that do everything for free. And they don't really have anything to gain out of it. It's kind of like a private investigator. I always hear about private investigators and exploring evil that donate their time. And, you know, that's Mm -hmm. a hard science, but they donate their time. They're not just trying to make money, but I don't know, that kind of goes off topic, but you get the drift. So back to the mirror. Um, John D. claimed that his mirror came from, I believe, the Pachuca region of Mexico. Yeah. Which is where the um, Aztecs mined their obsidian from. And that was later proven out, I believe.
2: You know, some of his belongings were split up. Mm Mm-hmm. And some of it went to the Royal College of Physicians, I believe. Or at least they had a significant amount of information about him. The mirror went to Sir Horace Walpole, author Mm -hmm. of The Castle of Otranto, and then was donated to the British Museum. Mm -hmm. So that was where it was tested. But yeah, they've used some sort of analysis to look at the actual sort of crystal makeup of the you know the actual minerals that are in it to see how right. those compare with the makeup of obsidian from other places because apparently there were sort of I, I guess you would call them like replica yeah. mirrors or or objects made in Europe during that time because I think all of this stuff being brought back by the Spanish were you know it was kind of a trendy thing to have yeah in a recent
1: conference presentation, a man named Yurislav Kuzman reported the results of an x-ray fluorescence spectrometer analysis carried out on Dee's mirror. In this case, the object's Mexican origin was confirmed with the trace elemental composition matching an obsidian source found at the site of Pachuca in central Mexico. They are still a little bit iffy on how he got it. And obviously, D being an advisor to the queen had all sorts of connections around the world. You know, she may have very well been the most powerful person in the world at the time. So it it could have been um, could have come to him from an amb- an ambassador. Uh, it could have been British pirates that intercepted a Spanish caravan of ships with gold and jewels from Mexico. But however it got to him, it was proven out that it did come from the Pachuca region of Mexico. So it came from where he said, or at least thought, that it came from. Mm. So the Aztecs themselves also placed great ritual importance on these objects. We talked about that they were associated with Tizcatlipoca, or Tizcatlipoca, and their name translates as Smoking Mirror. And in Depictions of the Deity he has mirrors usually in different parts of his body. Like he'll wear one, uh, one or two, like on a chest plate. There's some that have him wearing them on like sandals. And then there's even one that I read about where one of his feet is an actual mirror. It's not a foot, Mm -hmm. which seems kind of weird, but
2: I was wondering if that image If maybe that is supposed to be him stepping into or out of the mirror, as opposed to it actually being his foot. But that's a great idea. Yeah, that might have been too literal an interpretation in that one article that that. Oh, look at this. The mirror is his foot. Well, maybe not.
1: (laughs) No, that's that's a fantastic interpretation. That's awesome. But the shiny black mirrors held at the British Museum, uh, they are ones that were actually used for supernatural or spiritual purposes. They weren't something that was, you know, used to pluck your eyebrows in.
2: (laughs) 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 I like the idea of an ancient Aztec plucking their eyebrows or like shaving in front of one of these obsidian mirrors. And then John D thinks it's this wonderful (laughs) mystical object. (laughs) Kind of like the idea that in the future, if our civilization kind of declined and then came back, people might think that Coca Cola was one of our gods because of the number of artifacts that would be found with that name on it.
1: That's a good point. That's a good point. And I wouldn't say Coca Cola so much, but um, you talked about Nike and Adidas. I mean, if someone, you know, from another planet or another time came and saw that, you know, 20% of the people in the world had shirts with the Nike symbol on them. Well, that must be very important. All these Hmm. sports teams have this symbol on their Jersey. So it must be really important when in reality, it's just fashion, but uh, it's, it's an icon nonetheless. Hmm. Well, I want to do a show on South American native tribes like the Aztecs and the Inca Empire. From what I understand, they worshipped different deities. Well, they may have looked to this deity when they wanted to know something about their future. You know, just as where, you know, we would pray to Mary or Jesus or God to learn things or to try and, you know, ask for help for other people or for ourselves they had different gods or deities that they would ask for certain things from they all had their special kind of niche in the uh, spirit world and this specific deity was known to be able to predict the future so if they needed to know something about the future that's where they would turn these special mirrors could also be used to predict the future. The god Tezcatlipoca was renowned for his prophetic abilities and depictions would inevitably show him wearing several circular black mirrors on different parts of his body. So that's who you would look to if you were an Aztec and you wanted to know the future. Yeah. I don't think this is something that an average Aztec citizen would turn to, I think they would turn to their shaman and then the shaman would turn to the deity or the mirror to try and assist the person who is seeking out their help. That's the black mirror.
2: So what do you think about using things like mirrors and, uh, crystal balls for divination type purposes?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think that in any, and this is strictly my opinion, this is not Ryan talking. In my opinion, you should use prayer and anything associated with the supernatural or whatever solely for the purpose of good. And I don't mean good like what are the lottery numbers going to (laughs) be? I mean good like praying for other people. I believe that if you pray for other people, your needs, and they'll be met. In my opinion, I think God or gods would look upon someone who was praying for someone else and be more likely to answer those prayers than they would be if you were to pray that, and it depends on what you pray for, too. Like, you, you know, if you pray to win the football game, eh? in my opinion, I don't think any God is really going to care. They're going to be like, whatever. That's that's a human thing. But if you pray for, uh, like my mom, who recently broke her leg real bad, if you pray for her, then I think that whatever deity or person that you're praying to would be more likely to try and answer that prayer. And while I don't think that gazing into a an obsidian mirror is inherently dangerous. I think that if you believe enough to think that something like that would work, you need to be very weary of what might happen, too, if that makes any sense.
2: Yeah, it does. I think... I think that your intention matters a lot with when with, with things like this and with really a lot of things in life. Agreed. Um, there are theories, I'm not sure if they're real or just stuff that I've read online, but where people are saying, you know, could reality be generated by consciousness? Mm-hmm. And that's why you have measurable effects when you have somebody, you know, think something, it can actually have an influence on something like a random number generator.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: or the outcome of some act that should otherwise be random and follow a normal, uh, predictable distribution when you kind of plot out the results. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And I, I wonder if that sort of plays into what happens for people. You know, do you see something because you intend to, or does something contact you because it can sense that you have the intention to be in touch with it? Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of goes either way. It's either you're seeing it because you want to or you're seeing it because you want to. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's either you're seeing it because it's you kind of causing it to happen in your own mind mm-hmm. or it's your intention for it to happen is attracting something. And I kind of wonder if that's something that plays into it. And I think that also probably plays into things like prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're not somebody who. Believes In a God or religion, you know, the act of prayer, putting that intention out might have some measurable impact. And, and I think there are groups who do things like that. Like they will get together and all pray for a particular person to try to heal them.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And I don't know what those results are usually like, but you know, that, and this wasn't something I was intending to talk about, but it occurred to me as you were saying it, that, you know, probably your, your intention is maybe, the most important part of trying to use an object like this or trying to communicate with some entity. If you have a negative intention, you're probably more likely to have a negative experience where you're being more altruistic. You're probably going to have something better come through. Or even like with my fiance and I, we've stayed at the Lent mansion in St. Louis Mm -hmm. and we didn't experience anything unusual, but we also didn't come in kind of poking at whatever's there right you know we came in like this place is beautiful it's amazing like in the history of it like it's tragic what happened to the family but it's incredible that this house is still here and it's been restored the way it has and mm-hmm. and that we're here you know we appreciated it and we had this really positive experience and we didn't have anything negative happen to us right and i kind of wonder if we had come in with that attitude of like you know say something show me you're here like move something Mm -hmm. If it would have been different and probably more negative.
1: Well, both are real, right? If it, if it literally happens or if it happens in your mind, that doesn't make it less real. And if your intent is to see the spirit world and you think that this mirror is going to help you do it, maybe that belief in itself will help you to see beyond the veil. And we don't know anything about how powerful our minds are. If you look at hard science, and if you believe that we've been to the moon, think about how crazy that is. If you would have told somebody a hundred years ago that we would go to the moon, they would laugh at you. Every bit as hard as they laugh at people who claim that they're psychic or every bit as hard as they laugh at people who believe in things that they consider not to be scientific. And yet, through the power of the human mind, we were able to manifest a ship that some people believe took humans to the moon. And whether, you know, it it wasn't like a, a teleportation where it was something totally organic that uh, our mind was able to produce out of like, quote unquote, magic, but it manifested nonetheless. So, I mean, either way, it's real. If it's real in your mind, then it's real to you. And maybe if you and I, had a big enough mirror and we sat right next to each other and both had the intention of seeing beyond the veil. And I thought for sure it was going to happen. And you didn't believe we could be looking into the same mirror at the same time, looking for the same thing. And one of us would see it and one of us wouldn't. Hmm. But if I see it and it's real and it happened in my mind, then it's, it's real to me. And it's not going to be real for you because you didn't see it. But that doesn't mean that
2: it's not real at all. It just means it's not real for you. Kind of like. an. Well, it's kind of you're describing it almost like an NDE. You know, that's an experience. that's very real for the person experiencing it. But, you know, sort of inconsequential mm-hmm. for everybody else, unless some information delivered to you during the experience relates to you, I guess. So
1: one thing that's interesting about this famed black mirror, John D. never wrote about it. He never uh, specifically wrote about anything that he experienced in the mirror, at least anything that I could find. And a couple of the websites that I visited said that he never wrote about it in particular at all. Now he wrote about you know, his interest in spirit communication, uh, communication with dead people and angels and all about his interests, you know, in prophecy and stuff like that. But never did he write specifically like, I used this black Aztec mirror. This is what I saw. Uh, this is the prophecy that was delivered to me. And this is how it turned out.
2: So. I thought that was interesting. I feel like that almost adds to his credibility Mm -hmm. because so many people do get into, I I guess, just different occult practices, maybe not necessarily something like this. You know, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's um, automatic writing, but they come back with some amazing story and information. And this, you know, it's usually something that puts them kind of at the center of it that they're a very important figure.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, And since he didn't have something like that, I almost feel like that's, or at least he didn't write it down or communicate it. I feel like that adds some credibility. Like that was a tool and it did something it was supposed to do, Mm -hmm. but he's not trying to go, Hey, everybody look at me and this thing that the mirror told me. And I, and as far as those people go, the people who have these experiences were Mm -hmm. spirits or whatever it is that they're in contact with, they're telling them these things. I don't really think that they're faking it. I think it goes to your intention. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's one of these things where the type of entity that comes through might be different depending on what you're trying to do. And in certain circumstances, if your intention is to find something really cool so that you can be special or you can be fulfilled in some way, then maybe you're getting some lower level entity who's, getting something out of just messing with you and telling you these things and driving your life into this way. Cause people who do that, yeah. who go out saying, you know, the sky is falling and I'm the only one with the answers. Cause the, the black mirror gave it to me or whatever it is you're using <laughs> those, those people don't tend to do that. Well,
1: right. Yeah. The people that want to be the prophet instead of, you know, giving credit yeah. to, yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. As opposed to somebody who's like, well, These are the things that I do to get the information I get. This is a tool. That's how I use that. This is another thing. That's how I use that. Mm. You know, not somebody who just, I guess, gets all this information through a single method. And it's iffy as to whether or not that's credible at all. Right. And I think in a lot of cases it's probably delivered maliciously to drive you into some state that is worse for you mentally and spiritually. And I don't know if that's that that entity get something out of it again. Like, I don't know if they're feeding off that. I don't like to use that term, but that's something mm-hmm. that's kind of, you know, thrown around or if it's just, you know, you sent me a copy of an email from your kid's school where it's like, Hey, kids are doing this just cause mm-hmm. <laughs> so be careful. And it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe there are just pranksters on yeah. the other side sometimes who are just trying to mess with us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do find it interesting that, well, in the museum where it's kept, they do keep it uh, highly polished and they keep it covered. So why would you keep it covered?
2: Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Why
1: would you keep it covered?
2: Yeah, You probably don't want people staring into it and coming away <laughs> thinking that they saw something, whether they did or not.
1: You don't want something coming out of it either.
2: Yeah. It's almost like something from a real Black Mirror episode. Uh-huh. Maybe there's somebody or something trapped in it, and the whoever either put them there or noticed it was like, oh, that sounds like somebody else's problem, and just puts a cloth over it. It's like, okay, this is our policy now. We just never look in this thing.
1: So getting back to the uh, email that was sent out from my daughter's school, apparently what's going on now is there's a TikTok trend. Uh, I believe it's called Delicious Licks. Uh, where students in middle schools, and I assume probably grade schools and high schools as well, are pulling pranks, or sometimes a little bit worse, and they are kind of talking about their experience on TikTok, and some of the things are, you know, fairly mundane, like uh, I don't know, taking a teacher's mouse from her computer so she can't you know do the lesson and you know putting it on TikTok that you stole that mouse or whatever but some of them are also like sexual assault you know like spanking a teacher's butt oh. that sort of thing but uh yeah, I just thought that was interesting that they had to put out an email warning parents about this stuff that's going on so we won't really get into that but that was that was just something that i thought was interesting in how tiktok's being used for evil
2: yeah well and it just goes to show that sometimes people the reason i use that was to illustrate that sometimes people just do it for grins or because somebody's encouraging them to and if we're susceptible to it why wouldn't whatever's on the other side
1: Now let's get a word from our sponsors. Hey Crypt Keepers, thanks for listening to this episode about the Black Mirror and the Island of the Dolls. I want to encourage you to check out my true crime podcast. It's called Exploring Evil, and if you like the paranormal, Exploring Evil has some cases just for you. In one episode, I talk about a shaman who needed fresh blood to feed his witchcraft. There's also an episode about a woman who convinced a whole Mexican village she was a deity just to rob them and kill them. I know you'll find episodes that are just right for you, so subscribe to Exploring Evil anywhere you find cryptique.
2: Hey, my name is Ryan. And I'm pretty sure I'm Joe. And we are the hosts of Movie Hell, a podcast all about movies and pop culture. We're two buddies who talk about this stuff anyway and wanted to share our own madness with all of you. Yeah, we have these discussions anyway and rant and rave about movies, TV, and pop culture in general, so why not share it? The objective of Movie Howl is to bring you reviews and discussions of flops to avoid, new stuff to see, and hidden gems that might end up being your new favorite. Whether you're looking for that perfect movie for Friday night or wondering if anybody else found Mr. Nobody as unsettling as you did, I'm sure there's something for everyone to enjoy, and if not, let us know and we can always learn and improve. Ah, boy, do we have room to improve. You can listen to Movie MovieHow on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else fine podcasts are curated.
1: So what do we want to talk about next? Do you want to talk about the Island of the Dolls or the Golden Disc?
2: Uh, I guess let's go with the Island of the Dolls, because the Golden Disc to me is kind of a. It's more optimistic. Yeah. The Island of the Dolls freaks me out. It's not a very long story, but it's a very. You know, it's something that creeps me out a lot. Like the idea of being trapped someplace like that. Mm-mm. No, no good. <laughs>
1: All right. So the Island of the Dolls, that is an island, obviously, and it's just south of Mm -hmm. Mexico City. And it is in kind of a, from what I understand, it's kind of like a series of canals and small islands that are basically part of a like a big swamp.
2: Yeah, that's what I found too. Yeah, an island that's in between canals. Kind of like, you can see stuff like that in the Mississippi, but I, it seems like a, you know, sort of a lower speed, swampier area.
1: Yeah, where the the uh, floods aren't as damaging. Like, I mean, if you had an island like this in the Mississippi River, or the Amazon or something like that, it, it wouldn't last <laughs> because it would be
2: It would get wiped out every year. Yeah. Yeah, this looks very much like um, like the Bayou mm-hmm. or something in the southern United States. And anybody out there who's listening to this, you may have seen this before, because I know at least it's been covered on Ghost Adventures at some point. So if anybody if that sounds familiar to people who haven't read anything about it, that might be why. And I'm sure there are other shows that have done it, too.
1: Yeah, it's been done on Destination Truth, which is an amazing show. If you ask me, it's, Mm. they don't, is that Josh? Yeah. They, they normally don't find a whole lot of evidence on things, but to me, that makes the show a little bit more believable because there's just not usually a lot of stuff to be found, Mm -hmm. but um, it is a creepy Island. Do you, do you know the history of the Island? Do you want to tell them a little bit about it?
2: What I know is that there is a local legend that a young girl drowned near that island and that those dolls were put there by locals who were trying to I'm not sure if it's to memorialize it or to kind of appease her spirit or make her passing more easy uh but the the island is now said to be haunted and i think it was one man who right who kind of maintained it and did this and it was sort of his um Job Uh, Don Julian Santana Barrera. Sounds right. That was the name I found. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite a name. But, yeah, I believe he's passed now, but he was uh, the caretaker, and he did this stuff because he felt like a guilt about not being able to save her. I'm not entirely sure why he felt it was his responsibility or felt guilty for it, and I'm not entirely clear on his motives as far as whether it was a thing to make just – things easier for her or to be a memorial to her. But the island is now said to be extremely haunted and the dolls are possessed and move and it's thought to be the little girl's spirit and possibly this guy's as well.
1: Well, what happened was this man was kind of ostracized from the community for his like superstitious beliefs and he it kind of took up residence on the island and he found this girl's body that had washed up kind of on the shore or like right up next to the shore of this island and she was dead and i guess the next day i couldn't find anything on an investigation into the girl's death Uh, i i searched dozens of websites probably and could not find anything on if there was an investigation into this how this girl passed away it's assumed that she drowned uh she was found deceased by this man and he believed that her spirit was not put to rest i assume because of the manner of death and allegedly that same spot he found a doll the next day that he believed was hers. So in order to kind of appease her spirit, he hung the doll up. But he still felt like her spirit was unsettled and that she was kind of still a force on the island, Mm. for lack of a better term. And he kind of made it his job to search out dolls that were abandoned, discarded. He would find them in dumpsters. Uh, It was alleged that he found several that had washed up to the island. He would just collect these dolls and hang them up everywhere. And it was never enough to appease her spirit. And at that point, you know, there were probably hundreds of dolls hung up on this island on trees and on his hut and just everywhere and he was found dead of drowning in the same spot that the girl was found Mm. eventually some years later other people took it upon themselves to continue to you know hang up dolls on this island it's not something that you can really get just by our description yeah there's lots of websites that have tons of photos of this island and the dolls that are just hanging everywhere. Personally, I don't find dolls that creepy. There was one time when I was hiking and I was about maybe two miles back into the woods and this was just on like hunting trails. It wasn't in a national park or anything like that and there was a doll head hanging on a tree. You know, it was off-putting a little bit, but it didn't scare me. But in looking at these pictures, just the sheer creepiness of dolls everywhere. Dolls with broken faces, missing limbs, tattered clothes, you know, just the heads being on stakes, that sort of thing. um, I could see how that would uh, get to people. And especially because a lot of these dolls look like the kinds of dolls that have the eyes where if you lay them back, the eyes close. Mm. A little gust of wind or something like that could, you know, make these, some of these dolls twist or maybe make their eyes move a little bit, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah. And I've heard and read that some of the dolls on this island, you know, if you're there at night, they'll, talk or move or do things that you might expect a doll to be able to do if it had batteries Mm -hmm. or was somehow electrically powered, but that none Mm -hmm. of them do, none of them are in that kind of condition, and that that's part of why it's such a creepy place to be. And I I guess the reason maybe I find dolls so creepy is that the child's play movies Mm -hmm. were big when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, with Chucky and all that, so... You know, there was kind of this, I don't know, I think that helped sort of the way it made probably more people afraid of clowns. That made more people afraid of dolls, so Mm -hmm. maybe that's part of why I find it so creepy. But I do find the state that they're in very creepy, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and there's yeah, like you were saying, there there are photos of heads on stakes, and you know these dolls being hung in strange ways. Some of them don't have heads anymore. Mm -hmm. Presumably that's because they were found broken, or maybe just animals got to them or whatever. Sure, but it's just very eerie. You know, it's uh, it's such an unusual thing, and it's the kind of thing that's just it's so far out of the ordinary and it's such a pattern. I feel like that's what we recognize. You know, this is this is a pattern of behavior and I have no idea what it means. Yeah. It's probably not good. Yeah. And that's probably why it's so off-putting. I do know some people actually have a genuine fear and phobia of dolls. Right. Like they would not want them around. They would not want to be around them. It's not exactly that for me. It's more just sort of the intention behind them mm-hmm. and then the fact that some of them are rumored to move. And I think anything that is that has a spirit attached to it is probably something that should be handled with care at best and avoided,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, kind of in in worst-case scenarios.
1: Well, the canals were also used by the Aztecs. Hmm. So there's a, a history of spirituality in these canals it's been described as the Venice of Mexico. Apparently this Don Julian left his wife and family in order to live like a recluse. And it's on this island and it's in Teshuelo Lake. And he was apparently not in the best mental state. So he was probably mentally ill, left his family and wanted to live as a recluse. And then he found this poor girl that had drowned And, you know, like we talked about what, what manifests if he believed so strongly that this girl's spirit was there, maybe he was right. You know, just because you have a mental illness doesn't mean that everything you think is wrong. And it doesn't mean that because he had a mental illness that her spirit really wasn't there. Right. It's just a piece of the puzzle he passed away in 2001 he was found exactly where he always claimed to have found the body of the little girl hmm. and now what's going on at the island it, it is a big tourist attraction
2: yes there's even a website specifically for it isla de las mm-hmm.
1: municas maybe
2: i have no idea but yeah, Island of the Dolls, I'm assuming, is what that translates to. But yeah, there's a tourist website. I thought you were going to say there's some new activity going on. But yeah, <laughs> I've seen I've seen stuff about going down and taking like photo trips and doing virtual tours and all these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the same way we're talking about them, it's fascinating to see these things. And if I was there, I might go during the day
0: mm-hmm.
2: and take a look. I'm not sure I'd want to spend too much time there, but... You know, it's uh, 28 kilometers south of Mexico City. So if you're in the area, I guess it's not too bad to pop down there.
1: Yeah, they say it's about an hour and a half of a ride in a what is essentially a Mexican gondola or gondola. Mm -hmm. And some of the operators will not take people to that island. They won't go there. Apparently, it is overseen by his grandson now. Hmm. So there's a familial continuity that's going
2: on at this island. Would you ever take a doll off the island and bring it home with you? Nope. Nope. No, I've, there are so many stories about all these different places and sacred sites and, you know, like significant objects for different cultures or religions. And people take a rock home from here or, you know, a doll from there or whatever it is. And they all have terrible experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they yeah, like Native American sites where people will take rocks and then they'll end up mailing them back or something, saying that yeah. they've had these horrific nightmares and these terrible poltergeist type experiences. And while they had it, I'm just not interested in risking it.
1: Yeah, taking one of these dolls home, you might end up that that doll might end up in the uh, Warren's museum, Ed and Lorraine Warren, after they come and have to do an exorcism on you.
2: Yeah, or Zach Bagan's uh, museum in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Which I think he brought a doll there when they did their investigation. I think he brought one from his museum to that island. I'm not sure if he left it there. That would make sense. But
1: uh, apparently now there is a what they describe as a small museum on the island. What I'm thinking is more of like a booth type thing I couldn't find exactly how big the island is but I can't imagine it's it's very big but it was
2: yeah not big based on the pictures on the sort of tourist site yeah but
1: it was big enough for him to have a garden and stuff like that but not big enough to put like a museum and restaurant and stuff like that but I would be interested in going I think that would be fun just to check it out Mm. bring a recorder Bring a video camera.
2: Yeah, yeah, you might catch some interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't think I would take anything home. But you never know. You never know.
2: (laughs) Oh, no, I know. I wouldn't bring anything.
1: Well, there's Barbie dolls. There's um, old-time dolls. There's, you know, ceramic dolls. There's um, dolls that just have, like, the stuffed fabric body. Uh, I assume basically any doll you can imagine is probably there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's very interesting. Um, If you get a chance, yeah, check out the uh, Destination Truth on the island. It was it was a fun episode. So,
2: yeah, I actually think I have seen it. I watch Expedition Truth sometimes, but my fiance is a huge fan of Ghost Adventures. Mm -hmm. Because they've been doing this for forever. She watched them way before I knew who they were. Um, So that's what I thought of first. And that that might be the more popular one. I'm not really sure. But then again, everybody knows who Josh Gates is. Mm -hmm. And in one of the episodes of uh, Expedition Unknown, he ran into Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper knew who he was. Josh Gates is great. He seems like a super nice guy. Like, yeah. One of the only celebrities I would ever want to hang out with. Yeah. You know, like most people, it's like. I can admire their work, but I never want to meet them. I never want to hang out with them. I never want to have the opportunity for a negative experience that's going to put me off of whatever mm-hmm. it is they do. But with him, he seems like such a genuinely good guy. Like, yeah, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Let's let's talk about some of the weird stuff you've done. And
1: One of the things I liked about Destination Truth so much is it was more of a travel show that talked about cryptids and ghosts and stuff than it was a ghost show or a cryptid show and you know they talked about the local culture and they always tried local foods which i thought was great Mm -hmm. they went to some places where you know like hey it's a termite lollipop and um (laughs) the one thing that he says was the worst thing he ever had uh it is a filipino delicacy i think it's called barut or feroot?
2: No, I think it's baroot. I I think I remember this.
1: Yeah, it's a developed. Uh, I believe it's a duck egg.
2: Yep. And oh my god! Yes, I remember this one. It was yeah. yeah. Oh, so it's
1: like it would be like having a
2: fertilized. It's a. It's mostly. F- yeah. Yeah.
1: A fertilized chicken egg with a chicken growing in it, and letting it sit uh, out for like a month and then eating it. Oh
2: yeah oh my lord yeah And my
1: stepmom is from the philippines and she she talks about it and they they love it there but no thanks he he actually said that he ate it and it's the only thing that's ever made him throw up from from you know eating it obviously not like alcohol related or anything yeah. but he uh tried a bite and tossed his cookies so do you think he no was thanks. polite about
2: it it was like, that's the best vomit I've yes. ever produced. Like, thank you so much for this experience.
1: <laughs> well, you, you know, as far as that kind of stuff goes, like one of the things that he had to have on a on a show that I, I recently watched, I believe it was an Expedition Unknown. He was going to into this territory, but it had to be okayed by the, you know, like the village, the village chief or whatever. So they invite you to participate in a ceremony, you know, to, um, you know, open your mind or celebrate the spirits with the people or, you know, stuff like that. And one of the drinks that he had to drink was a fermented corn beverage that was made by people taking kernels of corn Chewing them up and spitting them Into a bucket and then letting it Ferment mm. and he had to Drink that mm. and that didn't make him throw up So thinking Barut's Pretty
2: bad yeah that guy's a beast He's basically like A tiger shark he could probably eat license plates And stuff and it wouldn't bother him after After all the traveling he's done
1: <laughs> Yeah I I don't think I could you know I, I mean I would I would probably drink ayahuasca but i don't think i could do fermented corn spit i just don't think that's something i could do
2: nope i don't think so either i think there's a reason that is not a wide i don't think i think there's a reason why i can't buy that at target or aldi
1: oh you can get it at aldi <laughs> it's
2: one of those seasonal things like Stroop waffles. <laughs> get yeah. your corn spit right limited time
1: But I I don't think I have anything else about the Island of the Dolls. It's something that uh, you guys should check out, though. You know, check, you know, check some websites. It's very interesting. If if you're planning a trip to Mexico ever and you're not going to one of the resorts, Mexico City is a and I've never been there, but I, I have done a lot of research on it for shows I've done on exploring evil. And, uh, just in general, it is a fantastic city. It's beautiful. The people are very well educated They're It's a very cosmopolitan city. And by all accounts, it's just a fantastic place to be. It's a very European type city, as opposed to, you know, if you've been to Tijuana or some of the, uh, you know, the smaller border towns in Mexico. And uh, yeah, if I went there, I would, I would really try and talk my wife into going to visit this Island of the Dolls. So Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't get to go, but I'd love to. (laughs) But I think that's all I have on that. Do you have anything else you want to talk about on the Island of the Dolls?
2: No, no, not really. It's, uh, it It's one of those things that's really fascinating to see and read about, but there's just not a lot of meat to it. Mm-hmm. But I, w- I would recommend, you know, watching the Destination Truth or any of the other investigations. And I agree with you that that one is probably, uh, I think handles sensitive topics better than most mm-hmm. because of the respect they show to cultures and beliefs and, you know, they don't run in, Worried about like specks of dust or right. bugs that are on their camera lens and things like that, which I could do an entire solo episode just ranting about that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should just start live streaming when mm-hmm. Ghost Adventures is on and be like, "That's a bug, yeah. you know." Oh, and it disappeared at this point because it went out of the lens's plane of focus. That's yeah. why it disappeared. Like I have to explain this. To my fiance, I'm still not in the habit yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, she'll be like. You know, she, she accepted very quickly, you know, that that some of that stuff is bogus, but she still likes watching it. Sure. And I think there's entertainment value in it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, you know, that's not real. Right. She's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. You've got 80 cameras on the on that shelf over there. I, I understand that, you know, how this works. Right. I'm like, All right. Thanks. And I'll usually let it go but yeah i like that expedition or uh yeah expedition unknown and destination truth and when they do find stuff like this they don't they don't try to force things out of it they don't try to pull evidence out of places where it doesn't exist mm-hmm. i mean i think that sometimes these people find or they capture footage of things that move or they find uh evps in their recordings that are very compelling mm-hmm. but i don't like it when it's like clear that they're kind of reaching for it yeah
1: Yeah, like they have to make something happen in the 12 hours they are going to be there.
2: Yeah, or they have to, you know, like I'm saying, like look for a bug that's reflecting light Mm -hmm. that's being caught by their camera, you know, and some of it's just, I mean, some of it might be, I can't say conclusively that I know what all of it is. Right. But I can say I've had a lot of cameras over the last 20-something years that I've been interested in it, and I know what dust and bugs look like. Sure. And those are mostly dust and bugs. So, do we want to move on to talking about the Golden Disc? Yes. Sent on the Voyager?
1: Yes. Yes.
2: The Golden Disc. What can you tell us about it? I know basically what's on it. They are... uh, It is a disc, or I think actually it's a collection of discs. I believe it's two. chosen as kind of, yeah, kind of a universal... Method of sending this information out, but there are sounds recorded, there's information, there are things etched into it, including, you know, sort of a visual diagram explaining what the record is and how to use it. Kind of shows, you know, where you would put a stylus and frequencies and how the sound is reproduced, you know, tries to make it so that if any intelligent society found it, they would hopefully be able to figure out what it was and how to pull what's on it off. Yes. So and they were sent out on the Voyager spacecraft as it was leaving the solar system you know so that if it was encountered by some other civilization they would in theory be able to learn a little something about us and that included I think something like 115 images that were encoded in some analog method Mm -hmm. there's music from Bach uh, Beethoven. There are Native American chants. There's music from Lima. There's stuff from Russia and the USSR. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that they have on here. And I I've always kind of wondered what would an alien think if they heard this stuff. Right. You know what what would they think going from Beethoven to a Navajo night chant? Right. You know would they would they understand what that was? And yeah, some of the some of the images that are on it are really interesting to me now because we're now far enough away from them that it's almost a way of living that doesn't exist anymore Mm -hmm. i don't know if you've seen them but they're on the jpl website
1: yeah that's where i'm at right now the first image is just a circle right and there's mathematical equations there's pictures of different planets there's Mm -hmm. uh chemical symbols
2: yeah i think the chemical makeup is supposed to kind of help describe the makeup of our planet Mm -hmm. and how things work and i think the planet photos are to help show the perspective like what we would see Mm -hmm. in some instances but then there are images of you know just everyday people right you know there are people running a race there are peop there are students and teachers. there are people in grocery stores. There's a woman breastfeeding Mhm- that was an interesting one to include, but yeah, from a perspective of like this is how we you know here's us raising our young, yeah, basically,
1: yeah automobiles jets um x rays, pictures of cities, villages mm-hmm. an island.
2: Our own space. Yeah, Yeah. we even have our own spacecraft, our cars, planes, an astronaut. There is
1: a picture of a, well, it's a silhouette of a man and woman. And the woman is pregnant and it shows the um, fetus inside. And I heard someone bring up a good point that if they saw this silhouette they might not even be able to tell that it's two people and a baby they might think that it's one life form that has four legs three arms two heads (laughs) so you know but but uh, who am i to um judge what they put on the disc because i don't have any better ideas so, and wasn't it Carl Sagan was the one that chose everything that went on the disc, right?
2: Yes. Yes, it was Carl Sagan and his team at uh, Cornell, I believe.
1: So yeah, there's Beethoven, Bach, uh there's a Peru wedding song, Solomon Islands mm.
2: panpipes. And then there are just sounds too of you know, wind, rain, dogs barking, chimpanzees laughing Mm -hmm. what i found very interesting about this is just the idea of you're going to send this message what do you say what do you put out there you know do you give a holistic view of the earth or do you talk about people and cultures it's it's really interesting to see the things that they put on it Mm -hmm. and also one of the things included i mean they include messages and things like that as well but there's also um, some of the information is intended to be used for whatever civilization finds it to be able to find us, mm-hmm. which I'm not so sure that I'm all that comfortable with. Yeah,
1: I, I thought about that too. Uh, we're putting things out there that may make us vulnerable, you know. If they, and maybe this is just conspiracy theory. Well, first of all, they put Johnny B. Good on there too by uh, Chuck Berry, so. <laughs>
2: Who knows what they'll think of us, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) they're like, you know, that new sound you're looking for. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: (laughs) they, yeah, they, they put a ton of stuff on it. There's audio clips of all different languages saying like in English, it says, uh, hello from the children of the earth. French, it says, hello, everybody, German heartfelt greetings to all. Um, I don't know. What language do you want to know what they say in? How about
2: Japanese? They have Japanese in there? Japanese, they say, hello, how are you? Mm. It's interesting. Konnichiwa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess that probably is what that would be. It's interesting that they would use a different uh, sort of greeting from every language, unless that was chosen specifically, because that's kind of the greeting that best represents the people who speak that language, maybe.
1: True. Russian, it says, "Greetings, I welcome you." Greetings, comrade. Uh, Spanish, it says, "Hello and greetings to all." Oh. It's even got Sumerian on there. May all be well. Hmm. So,
2: very interesting.
1: It is actually uh, conceived of like they couldn't put um, a tape, like a magnetic tape, on there because it wouldn't, you know, hold up the radiation it would have to go through would probably erase it
2: yeah and magnetic tape is really just like a plastic tape it's clear before they apply basically like a metallic like a ferrous metal coating to it and it can uh flake off after years you know if you were to find some that were really really old maybe 50 60 years old there's a chance that as you play it at that, that that coating that actually holds the information would just flake off. Okay. So I can see a lot of reasons why they wouldn't want to use that. But I think radiation is the one that I've heard the most that if it was bombarded with electromagnetic radiation, it will erase, just erase it. Yeah. And I think gold was chosen because it's one of the most stable, least reactive materials.
1: Right. Well, I thought it was gold too. What I was able to uncover Uh is that, It is actually, I forget what kind of metal they used, but it is um, basically a 33 and a third record and it's coated in gold. So it is a metal disc that's coated in gold to protect everything. Mm. And I don't know, you know, I assumed that the whole thing was solid gold, but apparently you can coat something in gold and it will hold that same pattern, the groove pattern and the depth and all that, I would have assumed that when you coated it with something, it would change the, uh, you know, the depth of the grooves and stuff like that. But apparently that's not the case. Hmm.
2: So, yeah, I always assumed it was solid gold as well, but I did wonder how that would work since gold is fairly malleable. Yeah. And I think has a lower melting point than other metals, but Vinyl has a much lower melting point still. Yeah. I mean, you can damage vinyl just having it in a hot attic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a vinyl record that was coated in gold. It was some sort of metal, probably aluminum. Yeah. But um, in any case, it does have a cover on it. And the cover is it has some binary code on it because they believe that, you know, every interstellar species would be able to understand binary code and that is on the outside cover of the golden disc and that is supposed to show the recipient how to play the disc for lack of a better term and how to
2: yeah how to you know
1: get the information yeah
2: how to assemble something that would exactly yeah
1: so that's kind of a short one, too. They should have sent a turntable out there. Technique's 1,200. <laughs> They'll stand up to any.
2: They Yeah. Yeah, definitely better than one of those Crosley, like, briefcase ones that everybody has now that are destroying your records.
1: Right, the ones that, that the record hangs off of.
2: Yeah, and they apply like three times the amount of tracking force they should and have... Oh, God. Every time I see those, it's like, just just throw your records away or give them to somebody else. Please don't use one of those. They play at the wrong speed. They, they're they bad.
1: Yeah, you're not going to find a good record player for 30 bucks. Sorry. Um, but yeah, they were sent on the... Uh, there was two of them, right? Sent on the Voyager probes that are supposed to be millions of miles away at this point
2: yeah i don't know how far away they're supposed to be right now but yeah i think that's correct and i've always found that interesting that they've you know they've done that and the the images that they have the record or the the sort of package for it is stuck to the outside of this thing right so anybody who encountered it would not have to you know pull the probe apart or try to figure any of that stuff out Mm mm-hmm I guess I guess it's a spoiler maybe for some of you, but that comes back in the uh, first Star Trek movie <laughs> as V'ger. <laughs> if anybody remembers that, that that uh, in that movie in the future, the Voyager probe had been intercepted by an alien race who just figured out what it was supposed to do. Oh, collect information, explore. Okay, and they just outfitted it to do that better, and it became an intelligent thing on its own.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that I found interesting, and it's probably a good thing, but they did not include any sort of information on nuclear weapons. That is supposed to be, even though it's a horrible thing and extremely deadly, people consider that one of the greatest
2: achievements, uh, maybe.
1: Inventions, or yeah, achievements is a better word of the human race is nuclear technology and that was left off, which I think is a good thing because, you know, if, if it's found eventually, they are not going to say, you know, Holy shit, these guys can blow up the whole planet if they wanted to, you know, they might say, well, they can put a satellite, shoot it out into space, but maybe they don't know how to blow up an entire planet. So
2: yeah yeah i noticed that there wasn't much really in the way of like uh reporting any kind of conflict or the way we are because we're, right. we're kind of a warlike people i don't know if you ever watched maybe we talked about it before i feel like maybe we have but um not the stargate movie but the tv show no okay there's an episode where Teal'c, who is an alien He's on Earth. He's helping, you know, the humans, the the Air Force guys, Colonel O'Neill and his team. Mm-hmm. And there's a point where he wants to go out into the world because he looks mm-hmm. human enough that he can pass for human. Like he puts on, you know, like sunglasses and a hat and right. whatever, and he looks pretty normal. And he's watching. He's been watching TV. He's been watching the news, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Okay, I'm going to go out." Like he's just going to go to like the truck stop or something. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And he like grabs his weapons and his armor and all this stuff. And uh, one of the guys tries to stop him. They're like, well, you don't need all that to go out. He's like, oh, no, I've been watching your TV. I definitely need this. <laughs> that's funny.
1: Yeah, like the alien on uh,
2: American Dad,
1: American Dad.
2: <laughs> yeah. Roger or whatever.
1: But that's it. That's all I've got on the golden disc. I just found this stuff to be really interesting. It wasn't stuff that we could do a whole show about, you know, each topic. And we kind of, I think, just kind of picked at random. We didn't didn't get things that all necessarily go hand in hand with each other, but some interesting things that we thought you guys would like.
2: Yeah. And we just wanted to have more of a free form discussion than normal. Just talk about some things that we find interesting, even if there's not a great like you were saying, like a great flow to it or a great story to tell that has a definite conclusion. It's like these are a few really interesting things that are out there that you can do more research on. Right. And they have some implications. You know, John D was advising the queen using an Aztec obsidian mirror. Right. That's super interesting in itself. You know, kind of like with Voyager. I love kind of the possibilities and the creativity that went into using that as a part of a Star Trek movie because the possibilities of what could happen with that information being out there and this thing just going on for however long it can go before it hits something. I don't know if they if they know, you know, if they have a course plotted, but I guess out in space, your likelihood of smashing into something is probably not that great. And then the Island of the Dolls is just really creepy, but there are a couple of good shows out there about it. And if you ever want to go there, it's now a tourist destination, mm-hmm. which I don't need to go to, but hey, if anybody out there has ever been there before, Send us an email. Let us know how it was. Let us know if you brought a doll home. We'd like to see your pictures. Yeah, don't send it to us. Don't send us anything if you went there. You can send it to me. (laughs) I'll give you a P.O. box. (laughs) No,
1: and it's interesting, too. You talked about John D. advising the queen. What are our world leaders taking for advice now?
2: I, I wonder that sometimes. I wonder if it's technology. Mm hmm. Or if it is, if it's something more mystical, there's a book that I read called Rebel Moon. Mm -hmm. I remember reading that back in high school. I was having physical therapy because I had knee surgery. And and during these periods where I had to have that thing on my leg that was shocking it, I read this book. I got it from like the dollar store. Mm -hmm. And it was one of these things where I think it was based off of an older computer game, like a top down strategy game. Mm hmm. But the whole plot of it was the Earth was basically a single government, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: almost like a state and federal government type situation. So there were different countries that still had some autonomy, but they mostly reported to a single government and the moon was colonized. Mm -hmm. And it was about this revolution of the moon against the Earth, Hmm. if I'm remembering it right. And one of the big revelations was, you know, this news and this information that was strategically useful for the Earth would come from this uh, group or entity. I forget what the name was. One of the revelations was that was a computer program the entire time. Huh. You know, all the world's leaders had been using this computer for their strategy. Spoiler alert for for, for this book, if you're going to go to your <laughs> Dollar Tree and try to find it. But that was, yeah, I, I, I almost wonder if there's something like that, you know, and I think... Um, Westworld might have played with an idea like that. I'm trying to remember how the last seasons went, but it's something that pops up though, that, you know, at the very top, the people are kind of puppets mm-hmm. or they're heavily reliant on some machine. That's kind of plotting out the probability of different things happening, given whatever's going on in the world or whatever decisions the leaders might make. Well, and if you
1: think about yourself as a, I don't know, tribesman, in an amazonian rainforest and someone comes to tell you about the world this is what's out there and they bring the golden disc right and they say these are chimpanzees these are way far away these are cars these are not so far away you know in a town in brazil these are musical pieces from you know the 1500s this is the sound of a buddhist monk chanting and this is what our world is and you think wow that's a that's really cool i want to go out there and explore and then you go out there and you're like well what is this homelessness thing
2: Mm, yeah
1: what is this racism what is this nuclear weapon you didn't tell me about any of that If I would have known about all that, I would have just stayed where I was. Yeah. And that's what we're putting out there. And it's, you want to put your best foot forward, but it's also deceptive because we're so much worse than that.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) If, if these are our great things and they are, but we're so much worse than that. It's kind of like, you know, when you meet someone, First, they meet your representative. You know, you're polite and kind and nice and friendly and probably try to be outgoing and understanding. And then when people really get to know you, they realize "Eh, he's kind of an asshole. (laughs) And that's kind of what it what it appears to me is we're putting out our representative. But then when they meet us, They're going to be
2: so disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. I actually thought of when you said not mentioning nuclear weapons, it actually sound, you know, it's like the scene in a movie where somebody answers the door being polite, but they have a knife or a gun behind their back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Hey, we're cool. Don't worry about it.
1: (laughs) Everything's under control. Woman's
2: tied up in the closet. (laughs) Yeah. I have this image. You're, you're talking about, uh, you know, bringing a tribesman out, but I'm thinking of somebody like my fiance is from a small town. Mm mm-hmm. um, Going to Boston or New York. Yeah. And trying to get used to something like that. Like stopping in the middle of the sidewalk, like, whoa, I've never seen buildings this tall before. And somebody just shoves them. Yeah. Get out of the way. What are you doing? <laughs> or like going to. Like Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. <laughs> or like even just going to like a restaurant in a really busy city. Like I'm thinking about Boston in particular. Like there's a certain way you have to behave mm-hmm. or else you're just going to get passed over they don't mean anything by it yeah but yeah it's not all as sunshine and rainbows as you might hope although i would love to see that i would love to see an alien come into Times square and just like look around and just get shoved by some new yorker like get out Freak. of the way what are you doing <laughs> like i got places to be <laughs> they would start giving him money they think he's just a performer like yeah. the golden cowboy or whatever or the N- naked cow whatever whoever's there <laughs>
1: The The silver robot man in New Orleans or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, you look at this golden disc and it's like, that should be something that we strive to attain. We should strive to be more what we want, more like what we want our representative to be. Mm-hmm. Less warlike, more understanding, more friendly, more creative, more ambitious, you know, you can be ambitious without taking from others. And it seems like as a human race, we have found that it's easier to achieve our goals by taking from others than it is to create things ourselves. Mm. And it's a real shame. And, you know, we should strive to be more like the golden disc and less like the nuclear warhead. And I just feel like as humans, and when I say humans, I mean, more industrialized societies, because I believe wholeheartedly that, you know, we may call the Amazonian Indians savages, but they're far less savage than what we really are. You know, we should strive to be more at peace and more peaceful than just trying to like gather everything for
2: ourselves. Yeah. I would agree with everything you're saying. I, I I don't think I want to add anything to it. That's a good way to end it. All right. Well, I could get into some philosophy around like comic books and Dragon Ball and stuff like that. But I think I'll leave it there.
1: Well, let's do that (laughs) another time. The philosophy or the um, spirituality and philosophy (laughs) of comics and story. I mean, you know, people laugh at comics, but uh, comic book art, some of it is just unreal. It's unbelievable how beautiful it is and how talented these people are. They're every bit as talented as, you know, the the painters in the Renaissance and stuff like that, and they just don't get mm. any love because it's in, in a comic book, and most people think, oh, comics are for little kids.
2: Yeah, I just recently reread Kingdom Come, which is fairly old now, but some of the art in it is still just unbelievable. Like, it's so so detailed and so precise and so masterfully done. And it just, a lot of it gives you the sense you're supposed to have Mm -hmm. that there's movement here. You're just getting a little glimpse of something that's happening. You know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. yeah, fantastic. But with the dragon ball thing, it's this thing that I always thought about, you know, Goku is the main character and he's kind of like a, I don't know, like a good natured dummy basically. Mm -hmm. And, People would always, you know, people that talk about in the forums, you know, they'll kind of argue back and forth on different characters. And it's like, you know, Vegeta should be stronger because he did this or, you know, these other characters are more motivated. And I forget, I don't remember who said it, but somebody pointed out that Vegeta tries to be better than Goku. Goku tries to be better than Goku. Like Mm -hmm. Goku just tries to be better than he was. He's not competing against anybody He just wants to improve for his own sake. He's not trying to beat anybody. He's not trying to compete with anybody like he likes to compete just to test himself, but it's not like a thing that he gets angry about. It's, you know, nothing like that. That ties in a little bit to what you were saying about, you know, strive to be the image you put out to other people. Right. You know, I was saying last night and this is very much a derogatory thing. There's somebody that used to date somebody in our friend group and he's Mm -hmm. just not a good person just there aren't very many people who are just not good people that i've met you know people who are like that's a bad guy they usually just have a difference of opinion or priorities Mm. this is actually a bad guy (laughs) right but i was like you know we were kind of talking about some of his behaviors and it's like i i wish that one day i could be as cool as he thought he was all right crypt keepers that's all we've got to say in this episode we hope you've enjoyed it we hope you've learned something we hope that you have something to research after this and maybe you'll you know learn something about uh the golden disc or the island of the dolls don't send us anything from there but If you want to do something for us, you can check out our podcast, you can leave us a five-star rating, you can write us a review, you can also check out Jay's other podcast, Exploring Evil, and you can listen to me and my other co-host Joe on Movie Hell. And this month in particular, this is October, actually I'm not sure when you'll be listening to it, but we've been doing a lot of Halloween vampire horror themed movies. So if that's interesting, check us out anywhere you can find Cryptique. Remember, reviews and ratings always help and are appreciated. And if they want to reach out to us, where can they do that?
1: You can email us at cryptiquepodcast at gmail.com. So you can get a shout out, you can share your story, you can give us a case suggestion, anything you want to do. Just become part of the show. We need you guys to become part of the show. It's just the two of us isn't enough. We need you guys to be part of the show and we need for you guys to guide us to the things that you want to learn about so we can bring you what you want.
2: That's right. We want you to help us help you.
1: Just a quick follow up. I wonder if the Golden Disk contains the Sumerian language because of the Anunnaki. If you don't know what the Anunnaki are, you haven't been watching ancient aliens. The Anunnaki are a group of deities of the ancient Sumerians, Akkadians, Assyrians, and Babylonians. In the earliest Sumerian writings about them, the Anunnaki are deities that are descendants of An and Ki, the god of the heavens and the goddess of earth, and their primary function was to decide the fates of humanity. Ancient alien theorists believe that the Anunnaki were actually beings from another planet that visited the Earth and what archaeology theorizes was some of the earliest human civilizations, or at least the ones that have a written history. We'll do a show on the Anunnaki at some point, but I wanted to put this thought out there. Good night, feel free to go out and do some research on this stuff, it's very interesting, and thank you for listening to Cryptique.